as we age, the teeth actually become very difficult to remove, harder to remove. There's more risks involved. Um, there's more complications that can arise in the recovery period or in the surgery itself. Hey there, I'm Ashley, mom of four and creator of Reps and Redemption. Join me as I share my passion for health education, explore all things fitness and nutrition, plus share a little faith-filled homemaking along the way. If you're a mom ready to build strength and live a life of epic redemption, this podcast is for you. Let's get after it. Why don't you introduce us and tell us a little bit about what you do and what you think we should talk about today? Well, hi, everyone, and thank you, Ashley. I'm really excited to be here. My name is Jacqueline Tomsick. I am a board-certified oral and maxillofacial surgeon uh, practicing in the Cleveland Ohio area. Practice a full scope of oral maxillofacial surgery. I love to talk about my specialty, increase the visibility of it because you know, people maybe have heard about an oral surgeon, but a lot of people still don't know exactly what we do. Uh, and then I also just love to be there to answer questions to anyone who may be interested in pursuing a career in oral surgery or in surgery or medicine, surgery in general, and what that's all about. That is really interesting. I I've, have never had a surgeon on the show. You are the first. So welcome. Thank you so much for being here. What kind of interest does that take? Like what made you want to get in, into oral surgery? Well, sure. That's a really great question, actually, because I it was kind of evolution for me. So oral maxillofacial surgery is best described as we're experts in the face, mouth, and jaw, and we are a combination between medicine and dentistry. So I initially set out after undergraduates. I attended dental school at Boston University with an open mind, but with mm -hmm. intentions to graduate with a dental degree and do just general dentistry. And then about three, two and a half, three years in, I kind of was introduced to oral maxillofacial surgery, and I really didn't know much about it. Um, over the course of the next year or so, I was really encouraged to um, pursue it, and I really kind of just fell in love with it. Um, so I did decide to pursue it after graduation. Oral maxillofacial surgery, of course, is the, and I say of course, because I entered dental school saying four years, I'm four and done, <laughs> which is like not a small amount of time. Right. But I was like, well, I'm just going to do four and done, and then and then I'm going to move on. Uh, well, oral surgery is the specialty that is the longest. So mm. it's four to six years, and I decided to go all in. I did the six-year program. It's called an integrated um, residency program because it integrates medical school into your training. So I went to dental school, then I went to medical school and completed residency to get to where I am. But like I said, we're the experts in the face, mouth, and jaw. So we do surgery, obviously inside the mouth, um, wisdom tooth surgery, dental implant surgery, any kind of oral biopsies, oral um, cancers. I don't specialize in cancer, but do do some benign oral mucosal stuff. We do facial trauma. We also do facial jaw reconstruction or what is called orthognathic surgery. We do TMJ surgery. Uh, we also do facial cosmetics like Botox and injectables mm -hmm. and even facial surgery. So it really spans a wide range of procedures, which is what I love about it. And then it also, like I said in the beginning, incorporates, it's very um, heavily based in medicine. So we really have to have a strong medical background, mm -hmm. which is where the medical school piece comes in uh, because 
as oral surgeons, it's very unique. We actually do administer our own anesthesia in our private practice or office settings. Um, most of us do that through an IV, um, similar to if you went to a surgery center. But you can imagine that takes a lot of extra training, uh, extra background, and not only anesthesia, but again, in medical management of patients. So that's where you know, the medical school training really is important for what we do. And did you, have you found that you have a favorite type of surgery to do? Is there something that you really enjoy doing or are some of these things that, I mean, you obviously enjoy parts of it, right? But are there things that about the oral surgery part that you enjoy doing when you're, when you know you're going to maybe make somebody happy or like something's going to be, you know, quote, fixed? Is there something in particular that, you know, lights you up? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, sure. So probably some of my favorite procedures, trauma. I'm, I've always loved trauma. I did my residency in Detroit. So um, downtown Detroit, we had a lot of trauma. I, I did my residency in a level one trauma center, um, probably the, the most um, high volume level trauma center in Detroit. So um, that was just kind of like my bread and butter. And so I really, I, I still love it. It's always fun. It's kind of like a puzzle that you get to put back together. Hmm. Very routine. One of our bread and butters is just wisdom tooth surgery. And believe it or not, like that, it can be a challenge every single day and every single case it can be different. So I really enjoy that challenge on a daily basis. I also like I mentioned, enjoy the anesthesia piece of it. Um, it really requires us to be very um, up to date on medicine and anesthesia. And so it also allows us to collaborate a lot with medical colleagues, which is one of my favorite parts of really of my specialty, but like medicine in general, is just the collaboration that you have between specialties, between colleagues, and to kind of like share ideas and thoughts and, and different experiences. And then finally, I also like orthognathic surgery. I did a fellowship in that out of residency, and that's um, complex jaw reconstruction when patients are born with congenitally um, disharmonious jaws. I mean, the biggest issue is function, of course, but aesthetics plays a big role in it as well. So that is very life-changing uh, for patients. But at the end of the day, I get joy every single day because the smallest procedure to the major ones, it doesn't matter uh, what you're doing. Uh, you really are helping people. And that really is, is a great feeling. Uh, to be able to be a part of. That's amazing. I, you know, I didn't know that about having the anesthesia, anesthesia part aspect, part of oral surgery, but it would make sense because I mean, I think personally anything with mouth teeth is super like painful in my opinion. And I, and you would need that component. And the fact that you get to work and collaborate with other medical colleagues is amazing. So what is it about wisdom teeth that makes it so challenging? Like I still have all of mine, but for example, my dad literally just had oral surgery two days ago and he had one in the back that was like totally flipped on its side, like underneath, like, I don't even know how I, I need to ask him. I'm sure he told me, but I'm newborn baby stage, still sleep deprived. So I don't remember, <laughs> but he said it was turned to the side. So how does, how does something like that happen? And what makes the wisdom tooth part so challenging? Well, that's actually very common. Um, and, you know, wisdom teeth, the reason why they need to come out is mainly because they don't fit in 
many people's mouths. I mean, there are certain situations here and there, uh, but for the majority of, of patients out there, uh, they don't thin their mouth. And so as we grow, that's how the teeth grow. They grow on their side a lot of the times. And so that's why they become a problem. I mean, some of the challenge does lie in the fact um, that for many years, it there was kind of like the the thought process that it was, if they're not bothering you, then just leave them alone. Mm-hmm. Um, in the last 10 years, at least in my you know era of, of training, uh, that definitely has pretty much completely changed. We know that as we age, the teeth actually become very difficult to remove, harder to remove. There's more risks involved. Um, there's more complications that can arise in the recovery period or in the surgery itself. Um, and the sweet spot is between 15 and 25 years old, where both the patient and the teeth are still in stages of development. That makes it um, them easier to get out. That makes um, the surgery easier on the patient and the recovery as well. Uh, but I would say to answer your question directly, the different orientations that the teeth are in, um, the different structures that they're adjacent to that you have to work around, you know, protect. Um, those are like the day in and day out challenges. And there's there's different ways to get teeth out. We have all kinds of different like approaches and different um, instruments that help us do that. So it, it's really fun to to do that. It's kind of like a puzzle kind of like every day because I could have four sets of wisdom teeth every day in a day right. and I could have each one could be significantly different in the way I actually remove the teeth depend, totally depending on the way that they are mm-hmm. um, impacted basically. Right. So. Well, you just totally blew my mind between like 18 and 25 is the sweet spot. And with age, it's harder to remove teeth. And we, on this show, we talk a lot about, you know, preserving strength and, you know, our bones as we age, we lose muscle, we lose strength in our, in our bones and things. And I would think that it would be easier, but that's really, that's really fascinating that it's actually more difficult. You know, while you were talking, I was like, I'm like feeling my wisdom teeth with my tongue. I'm like, I don't know, these babies need to come out. Like I, like I have been like, I haven't even really thought of it. I've heard that before that most people, they can't fit in into their mouth. So what would you say? One of my big questions is, you know, oral care. We talk a lot about health on this show, as you know, and what about, what is there, like, is there some sort of regimen that we could do either daily or weekly to aid in the longevity of our teeth? Like, is there something in that realm that you would suggest? Like everyone knows about brushing and flossing. I like still need to get used to flossing. I know that sounds absolutely horrible, but what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I was going to say it's pretty simple. I mean, right. it, it hasn't really changed throughout the years. I mean, brushing and flossing is is, is just key, really. Um, I mean, I joke all the time. I mean, I brush my teeth like three times a day, minimum mm-hmm. every single day. Uh, I brush pretty much after every meal because I'm just that, you know, retentive about it. Flossing, yeah, it's not fun, but I do do it at least once a day. And just like anything in overall health, drinking an appropriate amount of water, obviously, staying away from, you know, really sugary drinks. I mean, and that's really the biggest thing about brushing your teeth. And I, you know, so we're talking, I don't know when this is going to air, but we're talking right now. It was like Halloween earlier this week. So you know, all the kids with the candy and all that things. And, you know, I just tell yeah. people, like, I have the biggest sweet tooth in the world. You can still enjoy those things. You just have to brush your teeth. And that's that's really where the problem lies is that, you know, kids eat all this junk and eat, or not kids, anybody, 
you know, eats very sugary foods and then it sits on their teeth for long periods of time. And that's, that's where the issues arise. So, um, you don't have to cut it out completely unless you just don't brush your teeth. And I would say, yeah, you should try and cut that out. Although that's going <laughs> right. to cause some issues. Uh, but you know, and then, you know, a good balanced diet of like fruits, vegetables, um, proteins, you know, um, lean meats and things like that. So, I mean, it's just kind of like normal overall, like nutrition mm. that's smart for not only your body, but it's going to be good for your mouth as well. Mm. You know, and then the other thing I would say is because I see this a lot is that, you know, many people, I mentioned that we do um, one of the procedures that a lot of oral surgeons do pretty regularly is uh, placement of dental implants to replace missing teeth. And many people still do consider that very much a cosmetic um, procedure, mm -hmm. um, which in some ways it is, but it's kind of like the jaw surgery. It's kind of like um, a trauma surgery. Like in a way, everything is cosmetic because we're restoring form and function. Right. Um, and the same thing is true for dental implants. And, you know, I would encourage people like once you start losing a tooth, like, you know, it's kind of can be a slippery slope. You want to replace that space because that's going to keep all your other teeth in line. Um, that's actually going to make cleaning your mouth easier. You know, it's going to retain your bone structure, all those things. And as you, if you begin to lose more and more teeth, then it actually becomes harder to um, restore um, implants like that and the form and the function like that. So to try to get to people to like, look at it as like, yes, it's not just, you know, um, an aesthetic procedure, but, you know, invest in your overall health. I mm -hmm. mean, I guess to me, that's not a stretch, but to a lot of people that that can be a stretch to think like, it's just, I lost the tooth. I was like replacing it with a dental implant, really like helping my entire systemic health. <laughs> but right. I think uh, it's important. <laughs> I do too. Well, and you just said it, like, honestly, uh, Halloween is like, I, I don't know. I want to say every mom's, but it's like my worst nightmare because it's like, I want them to enjoy it and have it and like be done with it. But then like, if I know it's there and I have a sweet tooth, I don't really want to eat that stuff. But if it's around, like, I don't really have a problem with like any other sweets. But when I see like a Kit Kat, one of those like mini Kit Kats, I'm like, oh my gosh. And I thought that I should brush my teeth like right after because we're getting into this in my family, just wanting to take better care of our oral health. You know, it's, it's pretty simple, but when you look back to, okay, before there was dentistry and oral surgery, what did people do? Well, there wasn't all this sugary crap before that. Like it was fine. You didn't have to really probably worry. Most of your food was pretty much whole food from the earth and you didn't have to worry about it. Now, do you have any thoughts on, and then I want to ask you like how you fit in, like all your exercise and fitness, because I know you're really into that. Do you have any thoughts on cavity reversal? Because I'm really curious, like, let's say somebody has a cavity. Have you heard, ever heard of that? Is there a way that you think, because there's been a few experiences I've had with it where I've seen one coming on and I took out oats and sugar. It was pretty much gone and then it was gone and I don't know if I mean for me it's like it could have just been a toothache what I thought was a cavity I don't know if you've experienced this before or if you just kind of like run into okay you know what this is too many cavities we've got to do something here what are your thoughts on that so that's getting more into general dentistry which I don't mm -hmm. really do I would have to defer to a dentist actually to answer that in more depth or detail mm -hmm. I mean the concepts just make sense I guess you know if you are 
having the beginning of a cavity that the more sugary foods is going to kind of kind of attract that and that that's what leads the cavity to grow that's why they put like fluoride on your teeth and vitamins d and calcium can strengthen mm. your bone and enamel to protect the teeth so i i do believe that that probably is very possible you know that's not really in my wheelhouse on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. um, you see so, too many wisdom teeth to... so as oral surgeons we do not practice dentistry at all mm-hmm. We are just limited to oral and maxillofacial surgery, like all the procedures that discussed. And so really the only thing we do with teeth is either pull them or replace them with implants. Mm. We don't do any of the dental work. I mean, we talk about oral hygiene care. Like, yes, I take care of my own teeth, but we don't do cleanings. We don't do fillings. We don't we do not do any of that. That's why, you know, the really preventative stuff done that's, somewhere else. That's is, done somewhere that's, else. Yeah. And by the time we get them, it's, it's be, unfortunately... A lot of times it's, it's like beyond that. Right, right. Um, they they have to come to but you. In, in that way as, as well, you know, that's another reason why wisdom teeth become important to remove because the way that they're impacted can cause irreversible decay on the adjacent teeth. Hmm. Um, and so especially the ones that are on their side or tilted um, forward in the mouth because that's kind of leaning up against that that tooth in front of it. Um, and so it makes it difficult to floss back there or to brush back there. And that can cause problems as well. And then while we were talking that, that like brought up another thing in my mind too, as in terms of like losing teeth, right. I talked about that. I do one of my favorite procedures is trauma surgery and doing trauma surgery. And we actually, when, when people break their jaw, either their upper or their lower jaw, we actually use the teeth as a point of stability when we are fixing the jaws. And so it actually is a lot easier to fix a broken jaw on a patient who is completely or near completely dentate, meaning that they have most or all of their teeth versus someone who has a lot of missing teeth. Mm. That really makes it more challenging because we don't have that point of stability to kind of like build off of, if that makes sense. No, that does make sense. That's super interesting. So if if teeth are missing, it's harder to put the jaw in like the proper place. Is that what you're saying? Like line it up correctly. And then because we try, you know, when, when the jaw is broken and it depends on how severe it is and how many places it's broken. Cause um, especially the lower jaw usually gets broken in multiple places. You know, we have to have a point of stability where we can build off of. And so we use the teeth as that we kind of, that's where the term wiring your jaw shut comes into play. We essentially wire the teeth together um, to create that point of stability. And as you can imagine, when there's like a full arch, you know, of teeth on the top and the bottom, that's easy. That's easy to put together. But if there's like only a couple teeth on each side, um, it becomes a lot more difficult and a lot less predictable. Um, so yeah. How many surgeries do you think you do a week? Do you have a set number or does it vary? It definitely varies by season. And we have, we always say wisdom tooth season is kind of like in the summer during the holidays, because again, that sweet spot is like the teenage and college years. So that's when most kids are getting it done. And so that's basically works around school holidays, right? And right. school, school breaks. Same thing with jaw surgery, orthognathic surgery. Um, again, that those mostly are in teenagers and college age students. So surgeries tend to be planned around the summer and holiday break and kind of varies by the season. We've always said like September and February are kind of like our seasons, mm. <laughs> I guess, because people it's like just after the summer or just after the new year kind of like type thing. But 
and we also do a combination. A lot of us do a combination of both office surgeries and hospital surgeries, which is what I do. So I do office surgeries every day, you know, varies between a handful, sometimes, you know, less, sometimes double that, like five to 10 um, office surgeries. And then it just kind of, again, depends on the season, depends on the schedule. Like I personally go to the OR maybe like on average one time a week or, um, and I usually limit that to like one day. Hmm. Um, so I mean, but most of us, you know, are doing like, I mean, an average oral, oral surgeon could do anywhere between 20 and 40 surgeries a week. Oh my goodness. That is okay. So that leads me, that's a perfect lead into my next question for you. How do you, you know, take care of your own health and physical fitness and your energy to be able to do this? Cause this, this is like super serious, right? <laughs> no, no. It's, I'm glad bring that point up because I think it's very overlooked. It was when I was in residency, it's less now, but absolutely. What people don't really tell you, oral surgery, surgery in general, it's a very like physically um, challenging job. Mm. Um, We're on our feet. So surgeons, we don't sit. I mean, some of my surgeon ophthalmologists, the eye doctors, like that's very delicate surgery. And most of them do sit when they're doing surgery. But for the majority of surgical subspecialties, we are standing, we operate standing up in the operating room. Wow. So like, um, you know, five, six hour surgeries or more, we are on our feet the, that entire time. And even my office surgeries as well, we stand for those surgeries. So that's like very challenging. And, you know, I joke all the time, like, you know, my back is like awful, just the way that we contort our bodies mm-hmm. to do what we have to do. Um, so yes, people overlook it, but surgery, oral surgery is a very physically challenging job. So I think that it's very important to maintain um, a healthy fitness routine, wellness routine. Um, So I encourage all people to do that who are thinking about surgery. Um, I personally have always been very active. Um, I was an athlete growing up in high school. I played volleyball and basketball, softball, like year round. I was always active. And I, I still am very active and, um, for me, it's quite easy. I, I am a morning person, a morning workout person. That's when I do my workout. So I get up, um, usually between four thirty and five every morning and get my fitness routine, um, done and you it kind it of gets in. me going. I <laughs> yeah. get it in, I get it in. And that has, that definitely has changed throughout my career, probably about, uh, 10 years ago, I was a evening workout person. I would work all day and then go straight from work to the gym, do my work um, routine there. So it's really, I mean, there's no perfect way. It's right. for what's perfect for you. Um, but I just think that it's so important to make that a part of your routine. And since any surgeon is going to be type A to some degree, you know, right. we're very big on like, <laughs> schedules and like checking boxes out. So, you know, if anybody is struggling with that, I would just recommend, you know, just, you just got to schedule in your day, just like anything else, just like that, that meeting or that consult or, or whatever, you know, you have to do, you just schedule fitness into your day. Yeah. And I think it's, it's definitely important too, because it does give you more energy and it sounds like 
I mean, we all need more energy, right? <laughs> I don't think there's a person who doesn't. Well, maybe my six-year-old. I don't know if she needs more <laughs> energy. But outside of her, um, yeah, I think too. And like you, you were mentioning when it comes to even just, you know, oral care and, and for example, of just eating healthier and eating cleaner. What, what is a day, uh, what, like run, run through like really quickly, like one of your favorite meals, like whether it's breakfast, lunch, or dinner, like, what do you kind of plan? Do you, do you meal prep or does that help you? Or do you kind of plan, you know, as you go or weekly, what does that look like? Yeah, I'm a loose meal prepper, I would say. Like, I have gone through stages of it, like, where I've been, like, really into it and, and done. So I, I meal prep, like, one day at a time, which I don't know if that's really meal prepping. But Hey, I think um, it counts. If it helps you the next day, it counts. <laughs> I mean, my biggest thing, um, and, and I've worked with a lot of people in a lot of places, like, the most important thing for me is to bring my lunch to work every day. Mm. Um, I very rarely, like order out for lunch or eat out for lunch. And I think that's very important. So, and I mean, my meal is very simple. It's like some kind of vegetable. Um, I like to just saute mine on the, on the stovetop with just some olive oil. Um, and then some type of protein, um, either like a a fish or, um, I, I do a lot of, um, tofu and fish and like chicken that kind of thing mm-hmm. I mean that's kind of that's my go-to basically right. um and I'll always have usually some carrots or I really like those um mini peppers they're just easy oh, I like those. the way they, yeah I like the way they taste and, and they're easy to transport um and then I really am a fan of Greek yogurt I think that's a great source of protein I really got into that about six seven years ago and I probably eat that like every single day um, so yeah, I mean, I just make it simple. It's like the same thing every day. I always joke. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I, I really do eat the same, the same thing pretty much every day for lunch. But, you know, I just think that that's so important. Um, because I'm not, I mean, I, sometimes the way the job is, you don't always get a lunch break right. uh, if you're busy or you have emergency patients or, or things here and there, like, obviously that happens. But for the most part, like, I always make time to at least get something in because, because I need that refueling for myself to get through the day. But you also don't want something that's very heavy. That's going to, you know, weigh you down because then, I mean, there really is some truth to that, like post uh, food coma and, you know, that, that can be, you know, obviously detrimental or, um, you know, not good for your, for your afternoon if you have to, you know, be on your feet and different things. So, I just say keep it simple. I mean, I have friends and I, I admire them so much. They really get into the meal prepping. I'm like, I wish I could do that. I need to do that. <laughs> um, but uh, that's just not where I am right now. Yeah. I mean, hey, you know what? I always say like whatever works for you in the season that you're in. Like right now we, we meal prep on Sunday and Monday or sometimes it's Saturday and Sunday. But but it's, it does vary. Like it will do like two or three different proteins. And then we have like the veggies set and then like like – I love having something sweet after lunch, especially like it, and it's usually dark chocolate. So I I already plan that, like I already count on it. It's like, everything's already ready. And I like what you said though, about making it simple because we can overcomplicate it and think it needs to be this like beautiful Pinterest worthy like thing. And if we like the way it tastes, it is worthy, you know, like at least enjoy it. Right. 
Well, exactly. You want to have something that you look forward to eating. And I will say that, like, I do look forward to eating my lunch because I know that I made it. I know it's something that, like, I like. So, I mean, that's – and I know that it's, like, right there, too. Mm -hmm. Like, every once in a while, when I don't have time, I'll have to, like, order something out. And it's always – honestly, it's a stress for me because I'm like, oh, you have to, like, plan it. You have to order it. Then am I going to have it delivered? Then you have to have someone pick it up. Can I pick it up? Like – It really is like a stress. I'm like, I just don't need Yeah. that. Well, and, and, you know, and right now I'm tracking my food and like, I think to each their own, like if you know what you like to eat, like, and there's seasons where I haven't tracked anything and just had, it's just mainly so I get enough protein. And I've realized with, you know, when I track my calories too, cause I, I make sure I hit that and I don't go over it and then I get my protein in, but I could order a salad, like a beautiful looking salad from somewhere. And it could be like literally all of my calories that I can, that I can have in a day. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with, you know, <laughs> counting calories or not counting calories, but it's because of the dressing and the extra this and the extra that. And it's like this gigantic portion. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I should have just made this. This is like super stressful because I want to eat whole. I want to eat clean. I want to eat like all these things and still have my chocolate too, you know, and it's just way easier. <laughs> but I can see Absolutely. how, it, and you said that afternoon slump, I, I tend to feel like that if I eat like a, and I, I make bread, I make bread from scratch. So it's like, I'm all about making sourdough bread, but like Oh, I was afternoon going to say, slump. are you the sourdough people? I mean, the, the starter loaf or whatever it is. Oh I mean, yeah. I've heard Oh yeah. so much about this. I got friends trying this. So I, major props to you. This is not easy from, from what I've learned. No, it's, it's not. But once you get the hang of it, it's super fun and I love making it, but like, yeah, I can't eat it in this, like in the after, like first thing or in the afternoon, it's something that I might have like later or a definitely like pre-workout, you know, to just like get it in. But I don't eat too much of it because I just like giving it away. So that's where I'm at with that. But I want to thank you, Jacqueline, so much for being here with us today. I want to, uh, I want everyone to be able to contact you. Um, let us know your location too, but where can people find you and follow you if they're interested in coming into your office or just reaching out with some questions? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on social media on Instagram. It's Dr. Jackie is my handle and that you spell out doctor um, and Jackie's J-A-C-C-I. Um, that's probably the platform where I am most active. Um, you can also email me. I can give you my email, but jtomsic uh, at med.wayne.edu. That's also something that I'm on um, every single day. And I practice in Cleveland, Ohio area, Independence, Ohio, um, for um, the clinic for cosmetic and maxillofacial surgery. Uh, I have a, a female partner, so we practice together, which is awesome. Um, so if you're in the Cleveland area, I would love to, for, to help you out. Come see me if you have any oral surgery uh, needs or issues. That is amazing. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Well, thank you for having me. Like I said, I really appreciate um, the opportunity to, to speak about what I do and, and what I like. And, you know, hopefully it can relate to a few people out there. Thank you, Jacqueline. Thank you. If this episode inspired you, will you share with a friend? Remember, this podcast offers health education tips and holistic insights. Please consult healthcare professionals for personalized advice. Until next time, Mama, be bold and live well.